And I know just the guy to help you keep it running. That's Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive. He is an ASC certified technician, and he is in studio again. Hey, Dan, good to see you. Have a good week, I hope. I, I did have a good week. Good morning. You had a little time off. And I had a little back time at off, it. yep, and I'm back at it now. So All right. Working this morning. Well, we don't have any real cold weather uh, coming up, so I don't imagine people will bringing in their vehicles for that issue. Anyway, you know, there's plenty of other stuff to do. On cars. Sure there are things like that. Yeah. yeah. If you have any kind of a car care question, you have to bring in uh, your vehicle for service at your favorite dealer, your favorite shop. And you would like to know what the heck is going on with this thing. Uh, call us or text us. Dan has helped us out for many years here on CCO, helping you out. So call in and don't wait because uh, Dan uh, hangs around till about 745 and then it's Jack Farrell time. So if you have a, any kind of a car care question, any kind. Call it in or text it in. Same number applies, 651-989-9226 for your phone or text, if that's easier. Uh, Not much happening this week. I I, I shouldn't say not much because in driving around, a lot of potholes, deep ones, all over the place. Boy, that is the issue. In fact, my wife, I was not in town last week, or this week, and my wife was over at Lloyd's Automotive Getting one of her tires checked with that has now has a little bulge in it because of that. Yeah, and uh, that's one of the things that that we're seeing quite a bit of. You know, the the tires on these sportier uh, cars are such a low profile. <clears throat> in other words, there's not much rubber and air between the road and the metal wheel, and uh, because of that, when you hit a pothole, of course they they and, and they're wide. And, and, of course, the inside of the wheel is not supported. It, um, so when you hit a pothole, the inside of the wheel takes all of that abuse. Never it's, thought about it. It's that. not that's supported. Right. Yeah. The outside is. You know, you can see the spokes on the outside, so that's supported, but the inside's not. So when the wheels bend and when the tires take the abuse, it's, uh, it's uh, oftentimes on the inside on the wheel. But anyway, on my wife's tire, it happened to be on the outside because the tire doesn't matter. And, of course, it has a little bulge now. And so that's one of the things that, that you can look for when you hit a significant pothole is is go look at the tires on that side of the vehicle and be sure that you haven't developed a bulge. You that's, can actually see that. You can actually see it. It's, uh, you know, hmm. the as you look around the, the outside of the tire, it's flat. And all of a sudden you see a, you know, it's just a bubble that's uh, starting okay. to form on the outside. And then you know that you've done some damage to the tire. Boy. So, yeah, that's uh, and you just have to be careful. Slow down and uh, avoid them if you can, but but stay in your lane. <laughs> oh yeah, don't try to dodge them. Yeah, don't yeah. Uh, don't don't get tangled up with somebody in the next lane. Uh, yeah. trying to avoid a pothole. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Whatever your car care question may be, uh, that's the same number for the text number. Then we're, I'm going to grab a text Dan, and then we'll uh, get some phone calls that are coming in. Uh, here. You always hear people many times will come up to you or your text and they'll say, well, my car is making this kind of a noise. And then they'll make some kind of a noise. Right. Uh, this one is one of those. Uh, it's a 2009 uh, Corolla. Starting at about 20 miles an hour has a woo-woo sound <laughs> that goes faster as the RPM increases. What could cause some... That sounds almost like a howling. Yeah, it? it sounds like a wheel bearing I, I, oh. from what I think they're describing. And... Uh, when we take the vehicle in a test drive, we find a, a, a nice smooth road, which is a challenge right now. Oh, yeah. But we do find one, and we ride, uh, drive along the road. And if you tip the wheel just a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right, and if you find that the noise changes significantly, 
there's a good chance that the, that the problem is a wheel bearing. Lots of things can make a wooing noise as you're going along, but if the noise changes with the weight of the car, then uh, it's probably a wheel bearing. Huh. All right. So that's, that's, a good, what I suspect. that's a good test that's what I suspect that it is. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the phone. Uh, Dave is calling in from Faribault, I believe. Dave, you're on with Dan. Good morning. Morning. Uh, yes. Thanks for taking my call. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I, I have a 2013 Nissan Pathfinder, and I had to, my battery went dead, had to change batteries, and uh, now the electronic rear hatch won't operate, so I have to crawl in the back and open it manually. Ever since you yeah. changed the battery? Ever since I changed the battery. Yeah. It, I can't imagine why that has anything to do with changing the battery. It might, but... Uh, you know, the first and simplest thing that I would try is disconnect the battery again and let the whole system, you know, that the that rear hatch goes through the, the you know, the key fob and all that. So it's part of the security system. There's uh, quite a bit going on back there. And, of course, that's all computer controlled on a vehicle of that vintage. And so by disconnecting the battery, leaving it sit for 10 minutes or so, and then reconnecting it, you will have rebooted all those computers again and uh, see if you don't get lucky and it's something like that. If not, then I just think uh, coincidentally the rear hatch quit because I don't see, I can't imagine what the uh, what else the battery has to do with it. A common thing that happens on those is the, when you raise and lower the hatch, uh, every time you raise and lower the hatch, there's a wiring harness that goes, you know, back to that uh, latch assembly, and oftentimes that uh, that wiring harness gets broken right where it where it uh, where it keeps bending back and forth because of all the use. Yeah, all the use. So that you know something like that. But but first thing I would try is because it happened with a dead battery, re- disconnect the battery again and see if that doesn't yeah. help. All right, it's something to try. Mm-hmm. Good luck, Dave, with that. i uh, tell you what, Steve is calling in from uh, Egan this morning. Steve, you're on CCO. Yeah, hi. Uh, I got a 2007 Saturn Aura, and the rack and pinion was leaking, and I uh, got a refurbished rack and pinion from O'Reilly's and had that put in, and they put it in, and then the power steering was there, and then it was gone. Um, I didn't know if they bled the system good enough. Um, so I tried bleeding it and then I figured, well, I'll put a power steering pump in that was weak. And so I put a used power steering pump in. And after I did that, I had power steering for about an hour. And then I ended up putting another power, uh, reefer power steering pump from the store in. And I had power steering for about another couple hours and then it went away again. I tried vacuum bleeding it and, um, every other type of bleeding at the normal way on stands, turning the wheel from back to forth and power steering just went away again. I was thinking what's the chances of uh, that refurbed rack and pinion being bad? I think, I think you've tried enough other things that there's a pretty good chance that that rack and pinion is, is probably bad. It seems to me like that, like a, like a valve is working for a while and then, and then quitting. Uh, in the process, uh, or uh, maybe the maybe the system was full of debris and something got plugged in that new rack uh, in the process. But I think if you take that, that now that you've changed all that other stuff, you've probably 
used a bunch of fluid and, and cleaned the system good, I think what I would do now is, is uh, try and take that rack back for warranty and, uh, and, and put a different one in and see if that doesn't take care of it. But I, I think there's a pretty good chance that's what it is. And I, I, maybe your question more is, <clears throat> have I ever seen a defective remanufactured rack? And the answer would be yes. We certainly have seen mm-hmm. that where it uh, where we put one in and it just doesn't work right. Okay. Can happen. Yeah. But it's a bummer too because it's yeah. a big job. Wow. <laughs> For everybody. For everybody, yeah. 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 Hang on, Dan. We're going to take a quick break here. Andy, you're going to be next on the phone. Texters will grab your text messages when we come back as well. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our car care show here on CCO. Danny Long here with Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Exactly located where? We are at 982 Grand Avenue, which is between Lexington and Victoria in St. Paul. You can find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net. They keep reworking that uh, website, so check it out again if you've looked at it before. Yeah. Look at us again. You can make appointments and so forth on there. That's so good. That That's works great. out good. And, and, or give us a call. I think uh, Nick will be there this morning, 651-228-1316. We'll get you that phone number before Dan leaves us. He'll, he'll be here till about 745, so if you have a question, don't wait. Call it in. Text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, we promised Andy that he'd be first up here. Andy, Marine on St. Croix, what's your question? Hi. Got a uh, 2018 Toyota 4Runner. It's got 28,000 miles on it. And uh, about six months ago, I walked out and I heard something buzzing. And the vehicle was off, locked, all that. And it turned out it sounded like it was a fuel pump. And then uh, I started it up and everything was fine, no problem. Then uh, yesterday, um, I got home. And I was gone for about four or five hours. It was shut off, and doors were locked. Everything was secure, and I hear a buzzing, and it's the fuel pump. Sounds like the fuel pump's coming right directly from, you know, the fuel tank. And uh, there was, you know, seemingly, I don't think it was running when I shut it off and walked away four hours before. Uh, Maybe a fuel pump relay. Is well, that, that vehicle? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the first thing I'm thinking of is that the fuel yeah. pump relay is staying. I, it's, I mean, if the, for the fuel pump to be running, it has to be getting power right. from from somewhere, and the power right. should not be there uh, when the vehicle is shut off like that. So I I don't I doubt if you have a fuel pump problem, uh, but the fuel pump relay. This is actually a pretty common test that we do. If you look in the relay box and identify which relay is the fuel pump. Oftentimes, you'll find an, a, a a relay that's ide- that's identical to it, you know, a, the same part number. And sometimes, what we'll do is just switch them and uh, see if the problem moves. Be careful what you switch it with, but <clears throat> at any rate, see if the problem moves and and see if the the original problem is is uh, corrected. And uh, if it is, then you know that you had a bad relay, and uh, and you should change that. Um, and that's that's the most most common place. That something will, will go like that. The the sometimes the the fuel or any relay, you know, it's just a set of, of terminals inside there, and they touch to make them to make the you know to provide the power. And uh, in the in that process, they they kind of get deteriorated and they get a rough surface. And sometimes that rough surface rough surface will connect in a way that uh, that it gets stuck in that position. So. 
Uh, we've certainly seen that before where a relay will fail that way where it'll stay on. So, uh, that, you know, that's what I would try is try a different relay. Uh, and it's pretty easy to find oftentimes they're labeled right in the re- on the cover of the relay box and, and you can figure out which one it is. Oh, so make it a little easier. Yeah. Right? All right. Good luck, Andy, with that. Uh, let's go to Brooklyn Park. Uh, Carrie is there with a question for you, Dan. Carrie, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you? Um, I have a 2010 Chevy Silverado. It was my mother's vehicle until she passed away a couple years ago. So it's had all the maintenance done, but when it gets, it's got about 100,000 miles on it. When it gets really cold out, the Stabila track light comes on and the ABS light comes on. Mm-hmm. But only when it's really cold. So I'm not understanding why. I've got an appointment, but I kind of like to know what I'm talking about when I go to the dealer. <laughs> well, they're they're related, certainly. And the thing that they have in common is that, is that they have sensors on all four of the wheels, uh, wheel speed sensors. And if one of those sensors is failing, uh, that'll certainly cause that light to come on. If one of the front wheel bearings is getting loose, uh, that will cause that light to go on. So uh, I think which, what, what, the, what you're probably going to find is that they're going to find that there's a problem on one of the wheels with a sensor. So if they tell you that, you can expect that, and and uh, and that's probably the case. Uh, the fact that the light has been on, will th- there will be a um, code stored in the computer, uh, a diagnostic code stored in the computer, which will give them a direction as to which wheel uh, is causing that problem at the time. And uh, in the meantime, know that it's it's safe to drive when that light's on, your brakes are not going to fail or anything like that. It's just that your the anti-lock brake and the uh, traction control uh, will be disabled when that light is on. But, you know, th- that's fine. You can safely drive it just knowing that you're uh, back to the uh, old-fashioned way of braking where you got to pump the brakes <laughs> if you're okay. on ice. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call, Kerry. Uh, before I grab a text, I want to go to Rita, who's calling in from uh, Blaine this morning. Rita, what's your question? Good morning. Curious as to why the cost of batteries are so expensive. I just really had to put a battery in my car, and the battery was $132. I'm 70 years old, and I remember back in the good old days when you could get a battery for probably 45 or $50. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a cup of coffee for 50 cents. Yeah, there you go, and a donut for 10 cents, yeah. right? Well, you know, the, uh, batteries, they're, they're metal, mostly. And uh, metal prices are are high, uh, and they're also batteries are very environmentally unfriendly, so they're complicated and expensive to make for that reason because they're dealing with a bunch of hazardous materials and all of that. And the world has changed in that regard. So you know, uh, for me to sell a battery, even I have to fill out forms and. Di- uh, deal with the with the emissions and all really? of that, and and uh, and hazardous waste, and and keep track of everything, and so it's just uh, it's just a big deal to to stock and to manufacture, to stock and to sell batteries. Uh, there's there's more to it. There's more to it than it used to be. I should say. And so yeah, I know. But uh, actually, the price you said sounds very fair to me. If that's what you paid for your battery, I don't think you got taken advantage of. That's just how much they cost. Good batteries, good batteries cost a good amount. Cost a lot, and yeah. they're worth it. Don't buy a cheap battery. Might as well keep your old one if you're going to buy a cheap yeah, battery. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Rita, thank you for the question. Texter says, uh, an 07 Ford Escape, the other day the OD off light started flashing. What can I do or not do? Overdrive? Off light, overdrive, overdrive, off light, flashing. When it's flashing, of course, it's telling you that there's a problem with it. And if you take the vehicle in and have the transmission module scan for codes, there'll probably be a code stored in there. And that's really what that light is telling you is uh, you need to bring it in and have it checked because there's no way for you to check and see what's going on with it. Uh, I certainly can. Uh, but it, it, takes, uh, it takes equipment uh, to hook up to your car to see what's going on. But you should probably do that soon. Because uh, what you don't want to do is have a, compu- or a, a uh, transmission problem that's going on that's going to get more serious. And so you should at least have the diagnostics done so that you can make a decision uh, about what you should do with that. Okay. There you go. Before we take a break, Devin is calling in from Ham Lake. Uh, Devin, good morning. What's your question? Yeah, I, I have a 2000 Chevy Malibu, and uh, it wasn't starting for a little bit. And uh, so I towed it up into my garage. It was sitting on guide, and uh, I put a charger on it and got it running. And uh, I went to shut the hood, and it didn't last. So I slammed it a second time. It didn't last again. I went in the car, and the latch was stuck open in the car, and I pushed it shut. And I went and slammed it again, and it shut, but the engine stopped. And at that point, uh just started testing things to see what was wrong and uh, and could not get it to turn over at all. And uh, so we got a scanner hooked up on it, and there was no communication. And we checked the pins uh, for the right ohms and for grounds, and uh, as everything checked out. So we ordered a new ECM and put it in, and it still is doing the same thing. Hmm. Well... You're on the right track. Obviously, by slamming the hood, you jarred something. And uh, I don't know if it's a if it's a communication line or if it's a, a ground or a power or something like that. But but uh, somewhere there or for some reason they're lacking communication. And I'm not sure on that year of vehicle, but uh, oftentimes the um, the all of the computers will share a common uh, data line. And if another computer goes down, for example, we f- we'll find it anywhere where it's in the radio or it's in the uh, amplifier or it's in the, uh, any, any, of the, any of the other systems that are on that data line. If any of those other modules go down, uh, it'll cause the whole system to go down and you know the the test procedure that we'll do is find the the find out what modules are on that data line, unplug them one at a time until the problem goes away. And then you know that well that there's your there's the module that's causing a problem, and uh, and maybe that something like that is what's going on. If if your vehicle's new enough, and I don't have that information in front of me, but if your vehicle's new enough to have that, then then you you know you're th- you're looking at the engine. Uh, module thinking well that's the problem but it could very well be that it's something completely unrelated that has shut the whole system down okay so i think that's 
probably big enough where you're going to have to bring that in and get, get some, some help, help on it. Yeah. All right, Devin. Thanks for the call. We need to take a break. Look at that forecast, and we have more show to come, so don't go away. More Car Care Talk here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. We're back talking cars, trucks, vans, whatever the case may be. If you're having trouble, uh, call us or text us. Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive is helping us out uh, as as usual. Tell you what, we've got a bunch of text uh, messages, but uh, Tom has been waiting in Inver Grove, I think, uh, to ask you a question. Thanks, Tom. What's your question? Uh, I don't have a question. I just have a comment. Uh, you were talking to a guy about uh, buzzing noise coming from the back of his vehicle. He thought it was the uh, fuel pump. I have a 2018 Subaru Outback, and my vehicle does the same thing. Uh, you can park it in the garage, and you can go out there hours later, and you hear this buzzing noise coming from the back. And I looked it up in the manual, and it has something to do with the EVAP system for the fuel. There's a solenoid or something that runs, or yeah. a little pump that runs. You, you know, you bring up a great you bring up a great point, and and thank you for that. Um, the <laughs> I bet if you did a if you did a web search on that buzzing, on I think it was a I think it was a Forerunner, uh, maybe it's not the fuel pump at all. And and, and uh, you know going back to the diagnosis on that, if you just unplug the fuel pump relay, and if the buzz stays there, then you know it has nothing to do with the uh, with the fuel pump. Speaking of that, we got uh, a few minutes ago a text from <laughs> a, answers, huh? from a, well from a uh, another technician, a master technician. From Toyota for 36 years. The noise in the Forerunner is the evaporative emission canister self-test pump. It will operate up to five hours after the key is turned off. There you go. So it's what he's saying is it's perfectly normal. Don't yes. don't worry about it. The buzzing will come, stay there, and uh, and uh, and go away. And it's normal. It it has to do that to to pass federal emissions. Okay. So, your, Thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for both. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a text. It says, my wife's 2019 Buick Enclave has squeaky brakes in the morning, parked in our garage, gets washed twice a week. Yeah. Wow. You mean it has squeaky brakes? In the morning. In the morning, which is not all that abnormal. You know, if you park, we've said this before, if, if, if I take a, a, a brake rotor off and put it on the ground and splash a little water on it, in in three minutes, it's rusty. It, it'll be the rust is coming right away. Through. So, if you if you park in a damp uh, garage, which most of us do right now, um, and and the rotors have any moisture on them at all, the uh, uh, they they'll get a little bit of rust overnight, and it takes just a few applications for that rust to go away, and and the the noise goes away. And so, I if that's all that's happening, I probably wouldn't worry about that. They wash it twice a week. Yeah, good. and that's that? good. Don't yeah. stop doing that either. No, that's that's, that's worth it. Uh, twenty sixteen Hyundai Elect- uh, Elantra, both uh, intake and exhaust solenoids bad. Had oil changes every three thousand. Why does this happen? Well, um, I don't know. It, it that's just one of those things. It's a it's a weak link that uh, that happens, and and uh, you know I don't know if the, the, try different ones, try a different brand, something like that, but. Uh, there's no particular reason for it. To... Okay. <laughs> all right. We're getting input from all over about that Forerunner. Um, you know, my wife drives that Forerunner, and she loves it, and I've never heard that noise. Yeah. Well, we, a... we ha- you just got a call now. We have it fixed, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Uh, all right. Okay. Very good. There we go. All right. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Dick in Newmarket is calling in before we have to leave her. Dick, what is your question? 
Uh, I've got a 2000 Jeep Wrangler six-cylinder automatic. About every tenth time I go to start it in park, it does. It, nothing happens. I have to put it in neutral, and then it starts. Well, I'm wondering what that would be. Yeah, if it'll if it won't start in park and it will start in neutral, there's a selector switch that uh, tells the vehicle what what uh, gear you have it in, be it park, neutral, reverse, whatever, and uh, it's not finding park, which could be a couple things. It could either be that the the sensor or the switch itself has gone bad, or the cable uh, has changed just a little bit, and and the cable's not uh, extending or, or contracting far enough to pull it into park completely. So uh, it, it'll turn out to be one of those things: either the cable have to be replaced, or that sensor on the transmission will have to be, or the, not the sensor, the uh, the switch on the transmission, the the selector switch will have to be replaced. Okay. Here's a text, Dan. It says, I'm looking at an 05 Nissan Maximo to buy. Check engine light is on, but when I hook up any code reader uh, to it, it reads nothing is wrong. Car runs fine, but the light stays on. Well, if the light's on, I, I think you need to get a different code reader or or get a little help with that. Or uh, maybe that uh, it's lost power or something's going on with that. But uh, But if the check engine light's on, then there should be a, a trouble code stored in there, and we should be able to access that. So, Okay. We've got uh, a bunch of text messages, I hope. Well, I'll tell you, we'll just try to get as many as, as we can. Uh, 2005 F-150 had it in for an oil change. They told me there's a lot of rust and some linear cracks in the frame in the area under the driver's door area. They say it's unsafe and it should be junked. Any repairs possible, welding, et cetera? What do you think? Well, we, I have heard of uh, of shops. That, uh, first of all, I believe that. Uh, I've seen that where the the frame is rusting away, which is unfortunate. In an 05, you'd think it should, it should last longer than that. But at any rate, uh, it probably is unsafe. And and if you call around or, or you know search around, I have found some welding shops that will take on a frame repair. And so... Uh, and sometimes, if this is a common problem, uh, if you search the web, maybe you'll even find a kit that somebody has built uh, to repair repair a problem like this, so that you don't have to junk the vehicle. But hmm. but yes, that if it is cracking, uh, it probably is unsafe, and you need to at least do something about it. All right, I'm going to try this one here, and I'm not quite sure what this texture means. It's a 1998 Explorer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can stand outside of it, and it starts right up. But when I put it in drive or reverse, it will die. Could that be a bad fuel filter? I, I don't think so. I don't think it has anything to do with the fuel filter. I, when, whenever a vehicle dies, one of the ingredients is going away, and the test we would do is monitor each of the ingredients to spark the fuel and so forth and decide – which of the ingredients is going away when the vehicle stalls. So that's probably the best way to check that. Okay, I think. Let me just double-check here, see if we've got uh, – we had a couple of uh, suggestions. Couldn't the gentleman with the hood slamming not starting vehicle disconnect the battery, wait a few minutes, reconnect, see if the resetting system works? All, all of that. All of that yeah, yeah, does yeah. work. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of good ideas about, about that one. <laughs> well, if all else fails and you want to get in touch with the good folks at Lloyd's, how, how do we do that very well, thing? Well, come on over. That's the best way. We're at 982 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. 
You can find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net, or give us a call, 651-228-1316. Will you be back here next week? I will. All right. We'll look forward to that. I will, too. All right. Good deal. Thanks, Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive.